This is Coda Radio, episode 206 for May 23rd, 2016. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, fresh out of, I'm sure, some thrilling meetings where they got synergistic. Why, yes, folks, is Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Well, I, I can tell you um, I have stood up. We have synced up on progress, <laughs> and as with all good meetings, we have scheduled several more meetings. Good, and let's make sure we put a pin in this subject, and if we have anything that comes up in the meantime, we'll just hold a parking lot session. Uh, we're definitely going to get rolling on a few things. Uh, <laughs> our velocity is yeah, yeah, supersonic. We, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, supersonic. Huh? That means you work on weekends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mr. Dominic, I'm glad you could join us uh, this week, uh, even if it meant coming fresh out of a meeting right into the show, perhaps we should start with um, a little tease of what's to come. So Google I.O. landed some interesting bits development-wise, especially uh, some Android Studio improvements we want to talk about today, but also just some general things that have kind of come out post-Google I.O. We also have a book pick this week coming up. And before that, we're going to start with a little hoopla, including this guy's blog post that appears to be like... You know, one or two, and you got yourself an anomaly. Three, four, five, and even a dozen, now you start to have yourself a trend. At least that's how I'm starting to feel, Mr. Dominic. The uh, blog title is, My Time with Rails is Up. Yeah, so we're jumping right into it, huh? Well, I, you know, I felt like it was a good well, way to warm up. Fair enough. I don't want to spend a ton. A tum. See? You can <laughs> see? tell I just got out of yeah. an agile meeting. This is why we got to warm up, you see? I can barely breathe. I'm like, uh, I just... Just don't, you know, it's not here. Uh, yeah, so I don't want to go into this, right? This uh, this fellow whose name I forgot because, again, Agile Brain Death. Pytorch Thank you. It's a contributor on a number of uh, relatively well-used uh, Ruby gems. Yes. They're all used to Rails. Mm-hmm. And he's just basically rehashing some of the complaints that we talked about last week about Ruby on Rails. I think next week we're going to have a bigger discussion about monolithic applications versus microservices, which is one of the major themes, uh, major undercurrents in all of these posts that we've talked about. But for now, I just figured a little bit of homework, right? I'd share it. It got a lot of attention on Hacker News. And I think it's a pretty good read. One thing I like about his post is that instead of being like, I hate Rails because Rails is bad, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't hate Rails, but... You know, I'm moving on to other things for reasons that you may or may not agree with, but make sense. Yeah, he says it's a semi-technical, semi-personal, uh, and unfortunately a semi-rant. But you know what? He he kind of kicks it off with the good, as he puts it. I'm not going to pretend that everything right. about Rails is bad, wrong, evil, or damaging. Well, and he mentions the culture of the community, too, which I, I think is uh, important. Rails is an open source project, and you know, you just may not jive with a certain open source community. Oh, I just got an update uh, on this. Uh, so I have this Windows 10 machine here I loaded up for uh, Skype, and I just got an update. I am so, so sorry. Yeah, uh, apparently an NVIDIA GeForce game-ready driver is available. Oh, good to know. Right here, just while I'm doing my – I could just update right now if I want to click to – good. Thanks, NVIDIA. Thanks for letting me know about that. Uh, can I just take a moment and uh, just lament on how much uh, I I feel like two big things have shifted for me recently, and that is – one, I was definitely becoming harassed by my technology, I felt. And I mentioned this last week, but just too many notifications. And what, what happened was is we got the cloud, Mike. We got the damn cloud, and now everything notifies everything with push services. And the one thing all these vendors get just right is their damn push, push API and their push services. They're always pushing messages. And so everything from my desktop to my laptop to my tablets to my watch to my phone to this machine over here, they've all been getting essentially the same alerts, which is ridiculous and exactly what happens when everything actually syncs up and works properly. And now now, now I have all these messaging services and whatnot that all actually properly notify across all the devices. It's, it's, it's the worst case scenario. And so I, I crossed over the threshold I, I made a big shift for my life where the desktop is no longer the primary spot where I'm going to do 
Even. management and triage and any of this anymore. It's going mobile now. So I turned off notifications on all the desktops I use. Now, I don't use this uh, Skype machine here, so of course the notifications are still turned on, But because uh, it's a process you have to go through. But I'll tell you what, I'm loving it, Mike. It's like I feel like I've gotten out from underneath uh, techno- technological harassment. It's a big change for me. Muted my phone, and all notifications only go to my, uh, to my, my wearable. And then nowhere else is supposed to have notifications turned on. The only stuff that's really left is like these, like uh, <clears throat> well, this, this Windows 10 computer over here just prompted me to in- install an NVIDIA driver. And the Mac over here that runs the, the uh, uh, mixer is prompting me to install uh, uh, the next version of Mac OS. And now there's literally no button to click except for the button that opens the App Store to the upgrade page. That's the only way to dismiss that dialogue now. Like they're getting more aggressive on the Mac too. Like we give Windows a hard time. But this Mac, which is running, because I don't, I mean, the only thing this does is run our mixer. Uh, it's running OS 10.9.5, which is a good, solid, compatible version with our, our Apollo hardware-software combo mixer. But yet, in the mornings, I come down here, and there is a little, notifi- there's a little notification pop-up box, and the only way to clear it is by to click Upgrade and Learn More and open up the App Store. It feels like Windows 10 up in this business. Side rant. That's my little warm-up right there for you, is this is getting super obnoxious. So... <clears throat> Getting on top of those notifications has felt really good. I really, I really like that. Uh, as we're doing the show right now, Mike, I don't know if you knew this because I know you've been busy this morning. The Google closing arguments and Oracle closing arguments are happening right now. Were you aware? Yes, I, I was not aware. I didn't see them yet. Yeah, so. they're, they're, they're bits and pieces are coming out on Twitter as we were uh, prepping for the show. So I grabbed a couple. Does, this is not the main topic of our show today, but because it is something we've talked about for a couple of weeks and it's literally developing right now as we record. Google has made their closing statement. And essentially, they say it was built from scratch the fair way. This is a very important case, not only for Google, but for innovation and technology in general. That's Van Nest. Uh, That's what he told the jury. What Google's engineers did was nothing out of the mainstream. They built Android from scratch using new Google technology and adapted technology from open sources. Android was a remarkable thing, a brand new platform for innovation. The 90-minute closing argument was Google's final Full say full sale full front attack and response to the six year old lawsuit in front of the jury. Oracle has argued that Google's use of thirty seven Java APIs and Android infringes copyrights that Oracle acquired when it purchased Sun Microsystems. An appeals court has already found that the APIs can be indeed copywritten. So don't copyright me. Unless the ten person jury in paneled in San Francisco finds that Google's use of the APIs was fair use. Oracle will win damages, and the company is hoping to ask for as much as $9 billion. <laughs> now, that was Google's closing argument. Oracle's closing argument was you don't take people's property without permission and use it for your own benefit. Google took a shortcut, and they took a shortcut at Oracle's expense. Over the sun's expense, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny? People tweeted back pictures of Oracle uh, and their unbreakable Linux and how they've basically bastardized the Linux distribution. And <clears throat> called that ironic. Uh, so I don't know, Mike. I think you uh, you've sort of maintained the most um, dissenting voice on this topic out of all of, I think, the hosts on the network. Uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with your take either, which is why I find it fascinating. <laughs> well, like good old Justice Scalia, I'm sure I will – quote unquote take a heart attack very soon oh that happened wait oh take a heart attack (laughs) um and uh you know you will replace me with a more right right somebody who is uh in google's camp on this one google will have their uh their favorite host instated yeah i i wonder you know why i'm just bitter that sun died no i mean on the merits i'm not an attorney but we've and i don't want to talk about it again but i I do think there is something here Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's nine billion something here (laughs) i find that hard to believe um, I don't even know if there's nine million somethings here, or yeah. one million. I, I mean, this should just be a slap on the wrist, or an ongoing revenue agreement, maybe something like Microsoft would try to do, get a little a little cut of the action, a little taste, or maybe make them like say, you know, Android powered by Oracle. I don't know, but whatever, or powered by Java. Who knows? Which <laughs> I'm, I'm sure Google would just rather pay like a couple billion dollars to not do that. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. That, that's no, I, you know what I think I'm realizing is why I have a hard time giving a shit about this case is not because of the important precedent that it may or may not set. It's I am so sick of tribe Google, tribe Oracle, tribe anti-patents, tribe pro-patents. 
None of us really know what the hell happened in this case. Uh, only the people no, no, we, involved. We do know what happened. A couple engineers made a stupid decision. It seems and, likely, but I mean, but you know, really, we, do, it doesn't matter to us. It doesn't matter to us. I, I wish, I wish this stuff didn't get such notoriety and importance. But I, I guess that's just. Well, I, th- I think the tech journalism hype train really seized on this, um, which is kind of disappointing. Because, you know, asserting some kind of protection of your IP should not necessarily make you a monster. Although, you know, inflating the numbers, you know, asking anybody for $9 billion for anything seems significant, right? Um, it seems like you're trying to make up for your purchase of some uh, microsystems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. And, and to be honest, you know, I would even say, like, if Google had been up front about, hey, a couple of our engineers screwed up, let's pay you a penalty, and we fired those engineers, you know, years ago, that would have been a different story rather than, hey, they screwed up, let's cover it up and not use the word Java, right? Right. Like, let's, I mean, there's definitely consciousness of guilt here, which is a, you know, a thing in criminal court at least. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we should move on. Okay. The end. The end of the day, it's no matter who wins, it doesn't really matter for for like my day to day work. That's how I feel about it too, and I feel like we have. There's a topic I've covered before: the cult of celebrity, and I feel like we do the same thing with well, cult of. We're so tribalistic about this, right? I mean, yeah. I, I'm I, I watch Twitter, and I'm thinking, are some of these guys going to get that little blue tattoo, or that little blue, green, yellow G tattooed on their ass? Like, are, are you really that down for, or do you lose money if Google? gets fined. Azer points out in the chat room that some people are legitimately freaking out that they could start getting sued for using APIs. So they're panicking. But everybody, like he points out, everybody who publishes an API would be insane to do that because you're, you you create an API for a reason. Well, one, it's insane. And two, I, I think it's just, if there's any practical concern here, talk to the person whose API or code you want to use about the licensing. And that licensing may be, hey man, it's Apache. Knock yourself out, but don't call me. Okay, let's let's be real. Real talk. If you're a multi-billion dollar multinational company with tens of thousands of employees and you're about to launch a project that you think may event a product that may eventually land in the hands of a million, two million, ten million, maybe even eventually a billion people, yeah, you might do a quick phonesies and say, Hey, what's up, bro? I think I'm gonna put your product in something that's gonna be in the hands of a billion people after uh, 10, 15 years. Uh, well, are you cool if I use your tech? I mean you might just make that courtesy call regardless of what the license is. Yeah, and and I just want to say, why did Sun have to die? <laughs> so so this could happen. Don't don't make me lay all that Solaris stuff on you again. Let's just just move on. Let's all right. Just... So there is something that uh, there is a narrative, and this is not our main topic either. But it's uh, it's Hoopla that is Fallout from Google I/O. So this I think is our on ramp into the Google I/O topic for the week. Um, you know you've heard the narrative that uh, Apple sucks at services. Apple is bad at services. Google is great at services. Amazon is great at services. Apple, they're not good at services. Um, and this is such a this is such a well held belief that even the the strongest Apple writers and advocates and pundits like your John Gruber's out there, your Marco Armit's out there, your your Renee Ritchie's out there, they are all. They will all say this. They will all agree to this, which I think is is mostly true, but misses the point that they've been delivering files over iTunes in the App Store for years now with pretty much no issue. And they're one of the largest installed bases in the world that manages to push out software OS updates to their end users regularly rather flawlessly, although sometimes Uh, there's bugs in the actual software. But the delivery of the software and the installation and the verification of the software, like delivering over the internet, delivering it through CDNs, the actual services part of delivering software tends to work fairly well for them. Like I actually think in terms of overall services, Apple kicks some other companies' ass. They just suck at so many other areas of it. So Marco Armit, in this, in the, in, you know, just living in the vein of this narrative, wrote a piece post-Google I.O., if Google is right about AI, that's a huge problem for Apple. Uh, he basically says that if Apple can't get its head around AI, machine learning, derp learning concepts, and our, uh, assistance and bots and, and infrastructure and services, if they can't get their head around that stuff, they're going to become the next BlackBerry. They're going to get BlackBerryed by Google or Amazon. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to be BlackBerry. Um, I, I kind of don't like the way you framed it. Because service is such an overused term that it's kind of meaningless, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I would say Apple is phenomenal at these, like you were mentioning, the CDN style, very basic REST service, right? And I say very basic, but at their scale, nothing's basic. But, you know, 
I'm sending a file. I would like to retrieve that file. Now, where there, i.e. music, movies, right? Where they're bad or traditionally have been bad is instead of just making like REST API endpoints for developers, they like to make these weird, you know, CloudKit, uh, you know, iCloud core data abstractions that tend to have all kinds of problems. Not because Apple necessarily sucks at running servers, though they're not the best, but more often because anything that's trying to, particularly iCloud core data, anything that's that abstract is a recipe for pain, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's, just, that's just, you know, I, I wish Apple would just trust their developers more and just like, listen, this is an API, uh, this is a REST API, you hit it, it saves files, it syncs data, knock yourself out. Rather than saying, okay, and you import this framework and we have all these abstractions around it. This is a REST API. I know this. Well, he points out, too, that it's not just, quote-unquote, bad at services. It's what, uh, what Apple is particularly bad at is what Amazon, Facebook, and Google, especially Google, have all invested very heavily in, and that's big data and AI for years. So search... Uh, relevance to the user, classific- well, classification, com- yeah. complex natural language queries are all really rudimentary. Like, and what's crazy is Apple launched Siri before really Google Now was a big thing or a web well, for Apple, Alexa. So, so Apple, first of all, has been investing a ton in services. Um, they bought like four or five companies in AI. They've been hiring PhDs like they're going out of style. I, I think the main problem is that Apple is, I mean, I hate to use the word philosophical, but really they're they're philosophically opposed to mining personal data. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you think that's a feature or a bug, when it comes to predicting what I want and doing these kind of smart things that Google, uh, Google well, they just call it Google now, right? The new Google bot mm-hmm. do and formerly Google now. You know, Siri looks, frankly, very basic because they won't do that. They won't read my email. Right? But that trade-off, you know, it could be... It could, I guess what, what, what Marco's argument is, and the, actually, you know, why I'm, you know why we're talking about this, too, is I did a little check, and there's like, um, there's like 40 other sites, and they're not small sites that have picked this story up, including like uh, CB, uh, CNN, uh, uh, CBS, like it is getting, this, this post that he did is getting a ton of traction, at least it was this morning as we prepped for the show, now it's actually beginning to fade right now, uh, just looking at who's linking to it now, but uh I think what he touches on here is sort of the concept that, well, users are okay with the privacy violation. They're okay with Google analyzing your location, your photos, figuring out your intent, uh, seeing that if you start searching for something that has to do with um, a new phone, that you're probably looking for a phone, so they start putting phone uh, reviews in your Google Now feed. Uh, This kind of stuff is, um, well, I mean, some people want this sort of Star Trek future, and this seems to be the way to get, get there. Apple, at least with iOS 9, tried to tell you that, well, we can tell you when to leave and go somewhere and make it there on time without having to search all your data. We can do some of these tricks, too, without invading your privacy. But in reality, maybe they can't do everything. So I, I, I wonder, and here's my end, end, end conclusion of all of this. If Marco is right, if Google and Amazon and Facebook are going to be offering something compelling they're going to be some of the few companies in a position to actually offer these services because of the way you educate right. and train these services. Right. And that is going to create a type of lock-in that will be driven by the user base. And that, that's freaky to me. Right. So, so there's a, I think there's a conversation that we've been having for a couple of years now that, you know, when we started this show, Apple was very, very good at design, right? I even think we had an episode entitled like The Age of the Designer or whatever, where I was basically bitching about designers writing roughshod over developers, right? Uh, Apple really brought that upon us, right? Apple got people to realize, you know, battleship gray forms was not the way to go. That you need a little more user experience design in your applications. Right. Just look at but, early Android stuff, right? And how much, right. how far that's come now. Exactly. I mean, look at Android 2.2 and and cry or 1.6 look at 1.6 that's not <laughs> it was like radically horrible the problem for for apple is that you know as much as designers like to argue about the weight of different fonts the reality is that design needs to be just good enough right you need to have okay design and you know what google was easier to get good at design faster than apple could get good at in this case machine learning but i would all argue you know, data analysis is a, is a big part of it, right? 
and that's that's a problem. And and you can make an argument that well, it's easier to get better at design, and that you know, again, culturally, Apple is a very design and marketing driven organization, and Google is not. Right? Google is an engineering organization, and um, you know, I'm I'm sure developers listen to the show. Well, no, every five years you probably consider changing your stack, right? You probably consider changing. Where design, I think it does change, it does go in trends, but it's a different mindset that makes Apple a little more, I, I want to say slow, but I think I really mean detail-oriented, right? In terms of Apple really, really worries about the UI, the flow of the application, the animations, and all their software, but maybe on some level doesn't understand that that's not the most important thing to be focused on. Because, frankly, the, bot, the baseline design is just good enough now, right? And that's just one guy's opinion. I mean, obviously, designers listening will be like, no, better design is always better. But there's been I, a lot I, of, And there's a lot of talk, too, about them moving money around uh, and investing in R&D and et cetera, et cetera. It's, I think it's... Yeah, like giant, like giant development centers in India. Ironically, the Indian PM wouldn't let them sell phones there. Then they opened a 4,000-job-making development center, and now they can. Hmm. What a shocker. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it's two totally different – they, they approach – Google and Apple approach things so differently uh, that there may be a time where Google's well, approach may, becomes more relevant. Yeah, I mean I'm slagging them off about the design – the uh, development center in India. But that development center is just focused on maps, they said. Apple is so focused on one application, that one siloed application mindset. That's not good, right? That's, Interesting. That's hmm. not the future. Yeah. That, uh, you know, it's it's the present. I mean, I have an iPhone on my desk that I use. Uh, I will still say my iPhone looks better and is a little more elegant than my uh, my Android phone. I wouldn't say a little. As someone who's now been walking around with the five X for uh, right since since Linux Fest, so about a month. There is, there is, there are, there are a million tiny little differences, but I, I, I come back. It's funny. I get to this point after about a month in Android and my, my thought is, geez, I wish I could just run this OS on the iPhone. Yeah. That's the thing. Like the hardware on the iPhone, I, I feel is better as a user, but I just, I get, feel very locked in with iOS, but we should move on. We have a ton to talk about in today's actual yeah. talk. Yeah. <clears throat> All righty. So before we get into Google I.O., let's take a moment and thank Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash coders to uh, get yourself a discount and go in there to support this show. Linux Academy is a great platform for you to learn more. Now, we touch on a few topics here on this show just already that you might have gone, hmm, I'd like to know more, a lot more about that. There's a really good chance that Linux Academy will have courseware on it. You can go over there, linuxacademy.com slash coders, check them out. They have 2,447 videos Self-paced courses, lab servers, all that, all in one. You go there, you log in, you set up your courseware, you select it. It'll tell you how long it's going to take. It'll introduce you to it. You can get download. You can get, like, super nice guides. Audio you can listen to, like a podcast-type stuff. Uh, it's funny because I, I, I frequently hear that people listen to Linux Academy content in the shower. And the first person ever told me that was Listener Seth. And then when I mentioned Listener Seth does it, then I started getting a whole bunch of other emails and more and more in person when I'm at FES. <laughs> it's just the weirdest thing. And I guess it makes sense because, you know, I feel kind of brilliant sometimes in the shower. I get, like, great shower thoughts. Uh, and then, you know, the nice thing about uh, the uh, Linux Academy is they have really good labs, scenario-based labs that put you in the middle of a common day, everyday task. You really get the feel of being in a work environment, what it's like to use this technology in production. That gives you a nice confidence boost. And they have instructor mentoring as well, which is great for these types of topics and extremely helpful if you get stuck. And these graded server exercises help a lot. They just updated their Red Hat courseware again, Android development, OpenStack, Python, PHP, Ruby, Amazon Web Services, that whole damn DevOps category. They have courseware on it. You just go to linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So it was a big event outdoors. Uh, it was outdoors in the sunshine. And uh, the Google I.O. 2016 rock show had a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. <laughs> yes. Let us throw up our rock and roll horns for yeah. Android development and AI. Woo! Let's uh, yeah, so there's a lot that there's a lot that landed, but only only well, it was a good portion that's relevant to the show. I don't really think like Aloe and the no, that's not really relevant to the show. Um, Android N stuff. I think we could probably even talk about it at another point. Really, yeah, I, I I would 
rather hold off on the yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, okay. Stuff. All right. So, okay. The big thing that I was literally watching the stream with bated breath for was after you told me about uh, Colton or Colton or whatever uh, it was. Colton. Colton, yeah. I was hoping, I would, but nothing, nothing, Mike. Nothing uh, even in like the you, next day I, sessions. And I not chat. even a whisper, <laughs> not a word. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. no Kotlin yeah. no allowed. But uh, I'll tell you, derp learning, I mean deep learning and uh, machine learning. Yeah, and if you, were, if you were doing a shot of, let's say, $10 Poland Spring vodka, yeah, right, yes. every time someone said machine learning. The IO drinking game? You would have died. <laughs> you would have you wouldn't have made it past floor. the first yeah. intro. Machine learning came up a lot, and yeah. uh, that's a big thing. And you know, they're in a. I think what they're in a good position to emphasize this because everybody knows legitimately this is Google's bag, and so so it's super interesting, right? Because really, machine learning, you know, they didn't they use the word bot once or twice, but they didn't really use that term mm-hmm, of mm-hmm, marketing. Mm-hmm. If you think about this, and I, I want to do a show on this and write a post about this. You know, Microsoft, Google, and Facebook all have bots, right? And I guess Apple has Siri, but Siri's – we'll see what happens at DubDub. Uh, Microsoft says, use our tools. Build your own bot for your company. It'll be great. We don't care what you do. Facebook says, build a bot for Messenger. Yes. Right, good, right. Good. Well, Microsoft Google would says, sure like you to build a bot that works in Skype. That's for sure. I mean, they're yeah, – but they're, you know, kind of half-heartedly, yeah, right? yeah. Google says, uh, we have all your information and some of the best minds in the world. So we're going to build the best bot, period. End of discussion. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, we are and the bot. <laughs> we are the bot. Like, like, you will be assimilated. Captain Picard, get ready. Get you are becoming Locutus, yeah. <laughs> it's time to become Locutus. Um, no, no lines will be drawn. Nope. Sorry. Which... Makes me a little sad because uh, who the hell can compete with them? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, that's what I was thinking. If their demo is – I mean there's there's some weirdness in, in some of their machine – like Allo, right? It's basically I'm a giant proof of concept for Google's machine learning. Hmm. Great. Um, that knock-knock feature is creepy, but we'll let that go. The – if you take it out of that weird chat app and you just think about, okay, what does – you know, what are the real implications of this? Well, Google can build the best bot on the planet right now. And they can do it right now, right? Not, oh, here's the SDK that's in preview a la Microsoft and right. we'll get better over time as you work with us. Not, oh, we're Facebook and we make these weird Well, and think about their opportunities to get it in front of users with Android and Chrome and Gmail and Chromecast. They have all of these ready to use, ready to go. And and just the general internet, right? Do you remember people used to get paid to put like Google search in their website? Yeah. How about just putting Google in your website, right? Like I could see like deep integration with Google AdWords and uh, just the Mm. general Google web developer tool suite or webmaster tool suite, if they Mm. still call it that. Um, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I may buy one of those Google home things just to not put in my house cause that's super creepy, uh, to put in my office just to see like, how good is this really? Right. Right. I could see putting it in a controlled environment. I would really enjoy a statement from Google that says, we do not technically have the ability to wiretap these either because they yeah, couldn't. That's true. They don't. <laughs> it, well, you yeah. know, I, yeah, I guess I just, yeah. I would love to see like. You could design it in such a way that you couldn't wiretap it. Uh, you, you know, you could anonymize the ID every time it connects back or something. Like, I don't know what. Yeah, because that is a pretty particularly. I don't think it's unreasonable to 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 really consider you are bugging your own home and uh, and just just a just just a quick uh, reality check. Uh, there was almost legislation that went through, although they're working on of something to fix it right now. That starting in December, if you have Tor installed on your computer, the FBI yeah. is legally allowed to hack your home. And so right. that kind of – I know I mentioned right. this, but that kind of – you have to actually consider that kind of stuff with a device like this that has 10 microphones and does noise canceling is literally designed to pick you up from multiple rooms of the house and monitor when you're there or not there. I mean just the metric – just the metadata that they could get from a device that knows when you turned lights on, what the temperature was, what the well, noise level was, when you that. came and left. They don't even yeah. have to know the contents. If they just knew when you were active and when you came and went, and that is a ton of – that's a treasure trove of information. Oh, uh, I mean – 
And people say you already have this in your pocket with your phone, but your phone has a battery, and it eventually goes dead. These things are plugged into a wall outlet listening 24-7. It is an entirely different threat vector. I don't know if it's a bad one or not, but I think you, if you're not cognitively thinking of the, yeah. of the risk when you purchase yeah. this thing, you're not doing yourself a full service. I may well, still buy one for testing. I mean, I see this as, as a tool for work only because, one, to your aside about like the government – Congress just needs to write a law that says you have to get a warrant, right? They're, they're working on some stuff. And I, I mean, and, and the warrant actually has to be physically served on you. It, it can't be, that'd be good, oh, yeah. we got a warrant and then we didn't tell you about it. It has yeah. to be just like a physical search. We're knocking on your door. We have a warrant. We're not, we can't, don't have a warrant to come in. But, hey, we're hacking your computer right now. Thank you. Bye. Right? Like, but whatever. Um, the Another aspect of this from a security perspective is there are supposedly going to be APIs for all of this. APIs into Google, right? I kind of trust Google not to screw up for the most part and leak all my information. I mean, my whole company is on Google Apps, right? I mean, I'm, I'm pre- if Google were to ever really be exposed, I'd, I'd have a lot of uh, a lot of data loss. What about like third party integrations? How, how are those being vetted, if at all? Mm. That's one of the big questions that came out of this. Are they being as vetted as they will? On, are, are they are they going to get vetted better than they did on Android? Well, and the other story that we didn't cover in the Hoopla because I forgot was that you know even Apple, the lord of app review vetting, has now gotten app review down to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Just, it seems like they're just doing more automated uh, testing rather than having some college kids sit there and be like, oh, your app sucks, bye. Mm-hmm. Why, why should I trust rando third parties to integrate right. with Google Home? What kind of – one, what kind of process separation is there going to be in the API? That doesn't allow you know your crazy ass application to touch my application's memory space. Um, all questions. I mean, again, if anyone's going to do this correctly, it's Google. So I have a feeling when this all, when more information comes out, when more documentation comes out, most of these concerns will be allayed. <laughs> but also, you know, one thing I would have liked to hear is, you know, Google take a night off, right? Like, oh, is there yeah. a way? Just think about if, if I'm thinking of Google as like Google Home as like an assistant for an office setting, you know, the Maltese Falcon, Humphrey Bogart, right? He's got a guy bleeding to death in the back room. He sends his girl home. Like he sends his secretary home because you don't want Google to testify against you. Right. I mean, when Chris is cutting his crystal meth, this is, these are the things he's worried about. <laughs> That's actually a super simple, reasonable, and obvious solution to the problem. And it would pretty much, pretty much alleviate my – if I knew that when I turned it off – and you know, people would audit this, right? They, you could check the box. People will right. check it to see if it's transmitting data and whatnot. And it will it'll, turn it off completely, like kill the power that you have to go back yeah. and fist – without unplugging it. Yeah. Like, of yeah. course, you could just unplug it. But yeah. f- something <clears throat> where it's you know, basically turn a blind eye so my, and not – not because you're doing anything criminal, but because maybe you're having a meeting about a potential merger with a competitor, or, or maybe you want to talk dirty to your wife. I mean, what if what if it's what if what if because what I I realize you could unplug it. That's obvious. But what I like about it is the sort of nod it would it would represent from Google that hey, we respect that you have a private life. There are there are moments that we will stay out of that. That nod from Google would really go a long way. Now, I here's why I think it might be an interesting platform for you to consider and and test. And because as a user, I I, I am compelled by this technology in the sense that I recognize I want the functionality, and I also recognize that there's almost no way for that functionality to work the way I want it to without the capabilities of data mining. You, you have to, to know my vernacular and my preferences and my schedule and my contacts and all of those things, you have to have a hooks into my life. You just – you have to. Right. So it, it seems sort of like inevitable in some regards. It just Google still has yet to really, really solidify themselves as trustworthy. Well, and all these random third-party developers that you're going to supposedly want to work with. But Now, in the meantime, it doesn't really matter because Google is totally killing the web. Google is the biggest anti-web mobile company in the you're history. You're crazy. I okay. saw you put this in here. You're so nuts. what the hell, dude? Uh, you co- deep, deep linking comes out for iOS apps, uh, and now all of a sudden Apple hates the web. Apple's trying to lock down the web with the, uh, with the App Store. Google, Google literally, literally now is replacing web search results with instant on-demand apps that you don't even have to install. It is like 
they are taking the functionality that you would have used web the web for and they're giving you an app without ever installing it immediately which is ironic because often i don't so, want the app that's why i want the web okay so one this is impressive and i have a feeling yes the it way is technically doing, very impressive right? i agree yes I, I have a bet that this is an advantage they're getting from the way android apps are architected mm-hmm. via the intent system which is why Apple can't do this, to my knowledge, because every every activity is an intent, right? You have different intents for different flows. So if you're the parking meter demonstration is a great one. I want to add time to the meter. Well, it just streams you that intent. But let me let me stop your hysterics for just a second. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> this is what I would call moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. It doesn't matter, right? All these native apps, I think, are eventually going to cede to the web. Now, whether those will still be packaged apps written in web technologies with like an Ionic, which is what I think is going to happen, I'm not sure how well this system would work with that or if it would at all, which I don't think it would. Um, why do you care? Well, why do you perceive this as a threat to the web? When web technologies and web development tools are so quickly outstripping native tools, right? Like, I can't tell you how many RFPs I see that are just, you know, we want a hybrid HTML5 application. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is rare. <clears throat> I mean, granted, I've been on an Android project for a while now, but it is rare for me to see something come through native, and especially Android native, right? I really like I really like the concept of, uh, like, using this for updates, too, by the way. But here, I'll play – here, let me play a little – this isn't exactly what they did in the demo uh, at I.O., but I think – I think this moment in their video kind of shows you what I'm talking about here. NH Photo and Video has a beautiful Android app, but I don't necessarily have it on my phone because I don't shop for cameras every day. With instant apps, this is not a problem. Let's so he opens up Google Search. Let's say I search for a camera and see an offer from B&H that I like. With one tap, the app opens up, deep linked right to the camera I want to buy. So instead of showing web page results when he does a Google search and gets Google web results, and he, cl- he clicks a link, and instead of going to a web page, it opens an app. That, to me, is a little anti-web. But didn't he have to click the link? I don't know. He goes through it so quick. He says it's... See, he my, does... my, under, my understanding was if you do the search and an app already... Which apps already come up in search. It looks like if you click the sponsored link... It opens the app. Oh, that's super sneaky. It has to be sponsored. Well, maybe. That's what he says. And if you look, I I have the still here, and it does say it does have the sponsored icon next to it. See, listen to what he says. And see an offer from B&H that I like. An offer. With one tap, the app opens up, deep linked right to the camera I want to buy. So he calls it an offer, but the link he taps is the sponsored link. So that, to me, makes me think, so I don't know if it's, yeah. I, I actually think the technology and being able to deliver and, you know, build the app like that in real time for the, for the specific device is, is damn impressive. That's like, that's like next level impressive what they're doing with, with instant apps. Um, something the chairman yeah. said would be a great way to spread malware, too. I, I'm, I'm betting. Oh, my God, it really will. <laughs> it would, but would yeah. you, well, I guess if you could replace parts of the app instantaneously. Well, no, it's if I can trick Google into thinking that my fake parking app that I've slipped through the store is relevant to your your query to park in, you know, Asbury Park, New Jersey or Manhattan. Because I'm assuming that, I mean, yes, you can see an app preview and everything, but I have a feeling that people who use this feature are not going to be necessarily as thorough as they might be in the Play Store. So, yeah, yeah that, that is ex, a vector. This XKCD yeah. co- comic says, installing things has gotten so fast and painless. Why not skip it entirely and make a phone that has every app installed already and just downloads and runs them on the fly? Says he felt pretty clever until he realized he just invented web pages. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, instant apps. I don't mean to pan it because I think it's actually pretty remarkable. And I'm pretty damn impressed. I don't know. Do you, I, think it, I think it now is an amazing exploitation vector. Well, that would be the interesting yeah. thing. Well, that'll make for some great tech snap if that's the case. Well, it's mostly social engineering too, right? Because you just have to get an icon that looks similar. Not that I'm going to do this. Right. <laughs> um, hmm. yeah. All right. So any thoughts, any other thoughts on the Google Assistant or Google's little home device? Or you know, I, I have a sinking fear that it's not going to live up to the presentation. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Like uh, yeah. when you say things like um, – um, play this on my TV, which is one of the things they demonstrated, which had a very Apple vibe to it. Play this on my TV. Yeah. Uh, the only way that's going to work, right, is if you properly label the uh, the Chromecast yeah. as 
TV, and TV. it's the only TV that's named TV, and the TV is already turned on and, to, well, and set to, to the right about, input, too. Right. It has to know about my media subscriptions. Uh, you know, go get me a pizza. But there's like three pizza places within – 50 feet of Right, or order Indian food. Well, it doesn't ask what Indian food you want. So what is it sending you? It never asked you. Right, and what kind of pizza did I want, right? Right, yeah, you say order pizza. and So that all felt very demo and not actually. It doesn't pass the bartending test. You know, make me a gin martini. Well, I could order four gin martinis from four different bartenders to get four different drinks. And you got to ask yourself, you got to ask yourself, like, if you're going to ask a digital assistant, order me Indian food. Think, think what's that What's that interaction really going to be like? That's going to be a 25 back-and-forth conversation thread. Because well, it's not but, – but the local Indian place that Chris Fisher likes that's run by you know, mom and pop is certainly not integrated with Google. Right. So it's going to be like the Sabaro Express of Indian food. That's very know. true. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. another good point. Um, yeah. OK. Now, before we get into Android Studio, Chatroom really, really wants us to talk about – the Daydream VR stuff. They've been, they've been mentioning it the whole episode. I don't care, guys. <sighs> I mean, the VR thing is so hyped. Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I'm a little disappointed because even what we did see, we're not going to see until the fall. And it's going to be an Android N, which, as we know, most Android users won't have. Yeah. And it definitely looked a lot less graphics capable than the Vive or the Oculus, which is Expected, which and, which makes a ton of sense given yeah. the apparent price point, right? Which there. which is why I hoped they wouldn't focus on gaming and instead would focus on all of the millions of other incredible and amazing applications for VR that just don't yeah. involve shooting people in the face. And it turns out there's so many of them, and and there's they are so purposely built, like for for smartphones, like the VR tours that are that are unbelievable, uh, that just are 360 tours of of of, of pictures, smart. Smartphones can do it. I've done it already on an S6. Uh, there's so much – movies and 3D movies are so much better in VR than they are with wearing 3D glasses and looking at a TV. Like, I would love – I would love Jira in VR where I can just like grab a card and <laughs> slap the yeah. shit out of people. There are there, – <laughs> that'd be great. This there, is three days over there. There's also some virtual 3D desktops. I mean there's a lot of stuff. That VR can be useful for, including just like chat that doesn't require shooting people. And that they, but instead they went for the gaming aspect, and I was major disappointed in that. Well, that's the thing. Like, it, it, like I could see some cool VR. People are talking about like medical um, house inspections. Yes, a VR virtual real estate tour would be awesome. Think right? about training applications. Training applications would be great. The problem is everybody wants to sell me freaking Call of Duty in VR. Right. And that's just not what I want. And as a developer, that's just not that interesting to me because, yeah. you know, if I was interested in gaming VR, would I not just go with the Oculus and – Or the PlayStation that's, you know, probably going to be the easiest implementation of all of them, I would guess. It yeah. – I so they didn't explicitly say that it was only games though, right? No, no, of course not. No, of course not. Uh, it's YouTube and everything too. It's just their emphasis and I, I just How think that's the wrong frame. it for third parties? So, so that's the real question. Can – you know, could we have like VR app of the month, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it's going to be the most open so then maybe platform. Maybe it will be cool. So we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was hoping though, I was hoping they would frame it in a way that would give it the best chance of success. Well, you know, if they had showed me like VR surgery or like a VR physical therapy session, I would have been much more. I kind of tuned out as soon as that dragon came on the screen. I was like, all right, so it's gaming. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. All right, before we get into maybe what's the biggest thing for this show, uh, some of the studio, Android studio improvements, I want to uh, mention DigitalOcean, a great resource for you guys. This is your place to go to spin up cloud infrastructure on demand. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL and you can start in less than 55 seconds. It's starting only $5 a month. You can get a rig with 512 megabytes of RAM, 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And that could just be a base Ubuntu machine that you... SSH into and set up, or it can be something that's deployed with the entire application stack you need to get your job done. They've got one-click backups. They have a great API you can leverage. They have data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Germany, Toronto. Wes on Linux Unplugged, which will be uh, tomorrow, uh, has been experimenting quite successfully with 16.04 and using LXC containers inside DigitalOcean droplets, and he's getting incredible density. So I think, I, I think he's doing like the $40 a month rigs and getting tons of machines on them or something. I'll have to ask him about it tomorrow. He was telling me a little bit about it. And I always – when I talk about containers these days, I'm always kind of thinking about Docker, maybe jails, but Docker. 
And really, he's like, you know what? LXCE, it's out there. It's working great. And uh, it integrates really nicely with DigitalOcean. So check that out, too. That's another possibility when you really want to get a lot of density. But DigitalOcean droplets start at $5 a month. $5 a month. And if you use our promo code, code or digital, you get a $10 credit. Try it out two months for free. If you're watching the show live right now, it's being broadcast through DigitalOcean Droplet. We use them extensively for our back-end infrastructure and our user-facing stuff, too. We have a lot of different uses these days for DigitalOcean Droplets because the price point is so reasonable and the performance is so good. It's just our go-to solution now. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code Coder Digital. Go spin up a rig. They've got Ubuntu, Debian, CentOS, CoreOS, FreeBSD, Fedora, all of that stuff over there. And at $5 a month, it's just an unbelievable value. All SSD, all SSD drives, all SSDs, no matter which pricing point you go at. And that really makes a difference, especially with – you take really fast SSDs, you take the KVM virtualizer, which is totally kick-ass, and you combine that with their tier one bandwidth, and it is an amazing hosting solution. All powered by Linux, and you can support this show by using the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Thanks, DigitalOcean. So, so two things. One – did you know this, the rap song Baby's Got Back End was written about DigitalOcean? Yeah, that's for sure, man. Secondly, you straight up lied in the ad. I did? What'd I say? It is not all powered by Linux. What? Let us not forget our satanic cousins who air on TechSnap and BSD Now. Well, the hell well see, you're, you're, parsing, you're parsing because those free BSD rigs running on Linux. Ha! You see what I'm saying? They're running inside Can't a cave. Can't even run your own boxes. <laughs> Can't even run your own boxes. Yeah, they're they're straight up. They're straight we're up done. running inside. Show over. I'm mic dropping it. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. Hey, man. You know what? They don't don't those those BSD guys. They don't uh, they don't mess around though. I one day, a, one day, like, they're gonna have Beehive really rocking. No, one day. We're just going to be walking at Linux Fest, and someone's going to chuck a pitchfork at us, like straight up Triton style. Make Xcode great again. The chat room says nothing runs on Linux; it only slowly rots. Wow! Oh. Wow! Oh! Wow! Oh, Alan would win, by the way, because he knows a lot more about architecture on the <laughs> service. So, Android Studio two dot two preview with new UI designer and constraint layout, mm. so, so and of course, out. Firebase plugin too. Firebase is a new hotness as well. Um, so what do you think, Mike? What do you Fire think? Firebase is crap. Firebase is crap. Firebase is crap. Wow. Firebase is crap. Wow. Don't use but don't, but, but you're the guy that would like to parse. You know, you, you get, you get one, that, one snap, that, you get, anal- yeah, that was probably not the best choice. Well, there's that. But, you know, it's, it's the easy button for analytics on authentication, notifications, it's ads. Easy, easy button until they shut down the service. Oh. Ooh. So oh. Android Studio 2.2, you know, I am not an early adopter. I, I've you noticed know, I, this. I've railed against early adoption. I have early adopted Android Studio 2.2. Girl, what? Yeah, baby. You know what's up. <laughs> you know, I'm. let me break it down for you, brother. I don't believe you. Oh, believe it. So, first of all, I have a problem. My APKs, they're fat. I mean, they got some big asses on them. So now I can analyze them with the Android Studio 2.2 ah, APK Analyzer. I see. <laughs> this is the worst commercial for Google ever. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They're like, this is offensive. Can he stop, please? Are, uh, are they were doing like a post a postmortem on why uh, this a new version didn't take off. And like, well, there was this podcast where as soon as this podcast aired, it seems like the drop-off rate increased. And we can't quite explain it. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was we got all these hate letters and uh, you know, started talking about Humphrey Bogart. It just it just went it went all went wrong. <laughs> so the APK analyzer will tell you the artifacts in your APK that are actually large. Large is bad. We don't like large, right? Large means slow. Large sure. means people can't download it over LTE. Large means I bet you my bottom dollar that that magical instant app thing won't work if your connection's not good enough. Mm, yeah. Well, they say it does work pretty well over slow connections, but they did not define what that means. Slow means LTE and not on Wi-Fi? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, have T, I have T-Mobile, so it just means my connection. <laughs> so it, it means it's a feature I can't use. I mean, that, that's, that's really what they're saying to me. Uh, that's great because Android developers will tell you if you have a bunch of assets from some crazy designer, you have multiple sizes of them, and it's good to know. Why is the APK so big? Because you gave me 40,000 images. I, yeah, or or uh, everything that every audio asset's huge or video oh, including video assets. It may as well forget. <laughs> as soon as you have video, you may as well just forget about downloading over LTE. It's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing I love, and this one I'm going to talk about in a little more depth, 
constraint layout and new layout designer. Can you bring that up for me, Chris, that screenshot again? Yeah, this guy here. Yeah, and this guy here, these two here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, these are very nice, Mr. Dominic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the Xcode in the room. Boom. They basically ripped off Xcode. Boy, if that's like, true, though, that, it's... That little square with the fourth... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It, that is... In fact, I wish I had taken a screenshot of my uh, UI designer on Xcode, because that's it, baby. And that is, boom. The constraint system, I've been playing with it. It has been uh, liberally inspired by iOS constraints. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's not that bad. I, in fact, I almost feel like it's iOS constraints done by people who've heard iOS developers bitching about constraints. So it makes a lot more sense. And it's a little less hmm. magical is what hmm. I'm finding. Hmm. The beauty of this, for the, maybe we should do a high-level explanation. This is a new way to lay out uh, Android views, right? So the idea is instead of having a bunch of you know, frame layout, relative layout, linear layout all wrapped in each other to get what you want, you could have your elements on screen with constraints just like you do in iOS or you know, very similar to what you do in iOS. Sure, right? let's, yeah. Not, yeah. let's not say just like. Yeah. The reason this is awesome has nothing to do with the productivity improvement that I'm going to get. There's only one reason I'm happy about this feature. I can actually use it. It goes all the way back to API level 9. Oh. Which is like 2.3. I hadn't even thought of that, but of course. Because if it doesn't go back, I can't use it, right? Like, at the end of the day, this is huge. I don't know what voodoo they're doing in, in Android Studio to make this work, but... If it works reliably, like I have a few pain in the ass layouts I need to do this week that this is going to make awesome. This feature is the reason I'm willing to risk updating to the preview version alone. Yeah, this is the, yeah, this yeah. Is the sole reason. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yep. Because hmm. we've been toiling on this stupid layout for like a week and it's it's just like a huge time sink. Um, I'm sorry, uh, API level 9 is 2.2, not 2. I mean, it's 2.3, not 2.2. Hmm. See, Chris, if I only read my own notes. Your own notes, yeah, but that is nice. Uh, that is really nice. So keeping on with the making Mike's life easier yeah. doing Android layouts, they now have the layout inspector. Basically, there is an app on Mac that does this for iOS whose name I can't remember because I'm not that well prepared for class today. <laughs> but it basically takes your view, and I'm sure most Android developers have been here. You're clicking in the emulator, you're clicking in a device, and you don't understand why your click handler is not being called. Well, this will actually like fan out the view and show you elements are active and not active. Really great way to drill down, especially for some of those more complicated layouts. Uh, looks really cool. I haven't used it deeply yet, but I've, I've looked at the demo. It, this is just, again, an, anything to make QA for layouts faster, I'm all aboard. Yeah, that looks, that looks like a seriously legitimate tool, too. Yeah, it, it looks pretty significant. Espresso Test Recorder. Now, this lets you run your app and record click actions. So you click through the user flow you want to test, and it will record those actions and then run them as a test and give you any crashers, mm-hmm. any uh, output, right? You could have debug outputs. Oh, so man. This Now, this has existed before in tools like, uh, I think, Selenium and some other uh, Appium I used to use did something like this, but they... They at the time, and this is a couple of years ago. They were much more mature on, mature on iOS rather than Android, so it wasn't that valuable to me. But again, if this works, which I haven't had an opportunity to test it thoroughly, is going to be great, right? You can save assertions. You can actually write UI unit testing. Let's just call them UI tests that make sure that all your fields and all your data are correct. That can fail if they're not, and you can automate it and run through it on different emulators, so you don't have to, you know, sit there and do this by hand. Just another nice way to improve productivity. Hmm. So some real nice meat here. I like okay. these tools, Mike. I, I, I've never really di- dived into Android Studio for, I mean, it must have, I can't even, maybe when they first launched it, I think I looked at it, and it's been since then. So this is, it's yeah, this, funny. This, this is legit. Yeah. I uh, I like uh, I like that they're showing it on different operating systems too. In the screenshots, they're 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 sort of bouncing around between Windows and and uh, Linux and Mac OS in the screenshots too, which is kind of cool. <clears throat> uh, I guess most of these are these ones here are Mac here for different. Most of them, I think, yeah. but it doesn't matter. I mean, Android Studio is built on IntelliJ by the great JetBrains who fucking pay us. <laughs> <laughs> pay up. Ah, yeah. oh. um, there is one 
there's so there's two more. Well, there's there's three more things. One of them is kind of a tease, Chris. The uh, the Jack Tooling, which is their weird name for their tooling. Jack Tooling. Jack Tooling. Jack Powers. Right here. Right now. Oh no. Allows some emphasis on the some Java eight features to be used. Uh, Chris, if you don't know, right now, Android developers, we are stuck on Java 7, requiring folks like me who are doing both enterprise Java and Android development at the same time to run two JDKs side by side, which is always, always going to be going to be great, right? <laughs> always okay. going to be great. It's not going to be a problem. No, um, never. This is weird. This is this is the one that I don't really understand. Why is it some and not all? But ultimately, I'm not sure that hmm. this is going to matter for most people. I think you're safer just sticking with Java 7 until they fully implement 8. But again, we'd be good to see some progress. Um, I'm going to move through this a little quicker because we are running out of time. Android apps on Chromebooks. Yeah, what do you think? I would like to see them running in action. I do have a Chromebook here, so I will test that out. Uh, but certainly if you're targeting the education market, this is great. In fact, I had a customer who I had to write a Chrome app for because they wanted their iOS app on Chrome. If that was today, I would just recommend they go Android and then write the uh, and just write it for one, right? Android and Chrome. JIT, uh, the just in time, uh, a new JIT for the Java code. Yeah, and Vulcan. and Vulcan, Mike. Vulcan seems like that. I am mm. live long and prosper. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, piss on the grave of OpenGL. Oh. <laughs> so Vulcan and Metal basically are the same. Th- Thing. I know technically they're not, but they're, they serve the same purpose. And why can't we all just have an open standard like OpenGL? You know, let's call it OpenGL, the remix. Well, and, I mean, to be fair, Apple knew Vulkan was a thing when they announced uh, Metal. So it's not like... Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Me- Metal was announced last but came out stronger. Vulkan, I think, now is finally... Vulcan was announced after Metal, but Vulcan's also been in development for a long time. Well, but Vulcan, and it's one of these things with Apple where it's gone through a lot of iterations. You could see why Apple wanted to avoid it. Yeah. But Vulcan's going to be available for Windows, Vulcan will be available for Android, and Vulcan will be available for SteamOS and Linux. And, and the reality, let's just like really truncate this down, right? If you're not a game developer, both Metal and Vulcan don't matter for you for the most part. Mm, yeah. And the only, the only, in terms of a gamer, it does. And if, if, if game companies get behind okay. Vulcan in a way that they decide not to get behind Metal. Oh, and then there is one area where actually Metal does. If you're using core animation, I believe now, depending on the OS you're targeting, it runs Metal instead of OpenGL underneath. And I think there will be a similar abstraction in Android, so it'll run, um, you know, because there's like these helper frameworks for doing common animations. I think huh. it will run Vulcan underneath. I'm not sure about that. I will fact check that. And you know what, back next week. You know what's going to be interesting to watch now is to see if Apple makes a competitive move and decides not to implement Vulcan support in Mac OS. They don't. They won't. And they don't need to. That seems like a bad move. No, they don't need to. The gaming industry is going to move from OpenGL to Vulcan eventually. I mean, OpenGL will be around for a really long time. But I, it just it seems like if you want games on the Mac platform, you need to support Vulcan yeah. eventually. I mean. The JIT and Vulcan really are two more pushes. Remember, remember Operation Butter, right? From yeah, a couple years smooth ago. things up. Yep, they're still not there, and and it's partly because Android is you know a Java system. It's you know it's it's not native, right? I mean, it yeah. is. I, I gotta give them credit for N in terms of performance was worse on my five X, the beta of N right now. Yeah. I took it off, yeah. but in terms of overall polish and animations, it felt very nice. It worked nice. It just yeah, the and- overall it was just leggy. Well, the beauty to me, the really interesting thing is the JIT. And it's interesting because I don't have to do a goddamn thing about it and I get performance increases for free. Yeah, I know, right? That is. That's what I like. That, that mm-hmm. is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. So keep that up. <laughs> Google gets one of those. Yeah, I agree on that one. Uh, all, all right, right Mr. Dominic. Boy, that's all. We just banged through a lot of I.O. stuff. Powered through. And we didn't, even, we didn't even bother with all of the uh, frivolous stuff that doesn't really fit the show. I'm pretty impressed. I'm pretty impressed. Do you have any other thoughts? I have a book recommendation. Oh, yes. We do, don't we? Zero Bugs and the Program. Zero Bugs and, and Program, program Faster. faster. And, not, and the Program. And Program Faster. By Kate Thompson, who I had not heard of this book, but after the show last week, she emailed me a copy of her book. So, yes, I, I was totally bribed. But I actually read through it over the weekend, and it's very, very entertaining, and it has some great um, tidbits about. I like the cover. It looks. It reminds yeah. me of a of a maze. Uh, Zero bugs and program faster. That is yeah. really cool. So we have that linked in the show notes. Uh, oh, and dedicated to her grandpa. That's sweet. Cool. 
there you go. We'll have a link. It's up on Amazon. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. You can get it in hard or paperback, which is Chris cool. wants it rock hard. I would. I you know. I don't. Not when it comes to books. I like it soft and floppy when it comes to books. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. And it really, like, it has to like. It has to go a certain threshold before it's not an ebook. Like it, the book has to be real good before it's not an ebook. Or if so it's. This- a- so this book, I see technical books I like as ebooks. Had I not been simply mailed this book for free, it would have been an ebook. I suppose yeah. I don't know about that. Technical books as ebooks, I think they get updated, right? I, like I, I think yeah, it, I've had some ebooks have gotten updated, and I like that. Plus, technical books after five years may not be as relevant. I don't want those physical objects cluttering up my shelves. Give them to your local library, which I found out oh. a month ago. Well, there you go. There is that, Mister Dominic. If I want to give people to your local contact spot, where should I send them throughout the week? Go to Buccaneer IO. I have a post there that's going to be interesting. Or follow me at Dumanuko. Oh, we got a new live time a half hour a little bit later over JBLive.tv. That's noon thirty Pacific over JBLive.tv. Yeah, JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash/calendar. If you're not in the noon Pacific area and <laughs> you want to get it to your local time, QuarterRadio.reddit.com. Oh, JupiterBroadcasting.com/slash/contact too. I should mention those as well. At Chris LAS is by Twitter if you want to follow me at Jupiter Signal for network news, announcements, and things like that. Patreon.com slash today if you want to support the network. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next week. <laughs> <laughs>